Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? June 20th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast right here on Fightful MMA. Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. So glad to be joined. So happy all of you guys are joining us. Don't forget, we do have that live chat top right of your screen. I'm joined, as always, on Tuesdays by the infamous, not the notorious, the infamous Sean Ross Sapp, already playing with his hair. For those that don't know, I have a different camera angle than what you guys have when it comes to Sean Ross Sapp, and I'm, my, my stomach is turning because it's a close-up of that mm. head, and it's just disturbing. I mean, I don't know if I should have ate lunch or if I should be doing this on somewhat of an empty stomach, but uh, Sean Ross Sapp, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Lots to talk about, man. The last time we were on the air, before you know it, this whole notorious Conor McGregor and Floyd Money Mayweather fight gets announced. You go on there live. Uh, you tried to get a hold of me. Uh, I was en route to pick up my son at school, but you know we have our, our duties uh, to get out there and try and get on top of any sort of breaking news. You jumped on there. You were at home. Uh, I unfortunately was trying to grab a six-year-old and saying, we got to go. We got to go. Dad, Daddy's got to go. We got to go now. I got to get home. Sean's live alone. We got to go. But you can't tell a six-year-old uh, anything of that nature. He's too busy trying to, hey, I forgot my water bottle. That six-year-old's going to buy that pay-per-view, though. 
Oh yeah, you know he'll be with me. We have a wedding that night. Can you? I haven't been to a wedding, Sean, in three years. Three years. Really? I have one wedding. I'm at that age now where we're kind of older. You know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, everyone's getting married and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm in my early 40s. We already went through that wedding phase: six in one year, seven in yeah. one year, eight in one year, sort of thing. So we haven't had a wedding in you know in three years. I have one wedding this year. Oh yeah, I've been August in, 26th. I've been in like four in that amount of time. So yeah. Yeah, so the night of McGregor Mayweather, I have a wedding. Rest assured, I'm leaving there fairly early. I, I, I'm, I'm going to call the the bride uh, and say, "Listen, I, I know this is you know we're family and like that, but I had to work. This is like the biggest fight potentially of all time. It's historic. It's true. So I got to get out there and do it. They understand. They know what I do for a living. So it's all good. But it's announced. It's official. McGregor Mayweather. People have been talking about it. Stories coming out almost every single day, Sean. Uh, different angles. Uh, you know, people that sparred with McGregor leaking footage. Mayweather already coming out. And, you know, I put a piece together. I'm not sure if it's up yet, but Mayweather saying, make sure you back up McGregor, ladies and gentlemen. He's a difficult guy to compete. He's tough. He's this, is that. I mean, as it stands now, since it's been announced, what's going through your mind with that fight? There's so much. There's so much. Because you've heard, we've all heard everything, all the hot takes. Well, Conor McGregor will be a joke if he loses. Well, if Floyd Mayweather doesn't knock him out, then he's a joke. Well, it's a victory for Conor McGregor if he lasts 12 rounds. Well, it's a victory for Conor McGregor just to be there. There are so many different angles, and there's no way to predict. There's no way to predict how people will react to each individual fighter afterwards because Floyd Mayweather had the biggest selling pay-per-view of all time, then did 10% of that, maybe, for his next fight. So we, we don't know how somebody will react to that. Conor McGregor has the built-in excuse. He has that ready. That's good to go. It's just so funny because you have Ellerby, who, ever since I've seen him work with Mayweather, has been like, nobody's touching Mayweather. Nobody will ever even breathe on Mayweather. Now he's trying to convince you that a guy that's never boxed can hit Mayweather because he's got to sell this pay-per-view. You have Floyd Mayweather, who kind of constructed this whole thing. He admitted to cooking up the rumors last year. He knew what was up. He knew there well, there might be a couple guys in boxing that could give him a big buy rate, but he knew that this guy in MMA could give him a final buy rate that could just... I mean, he's already got retirement money, but the ma- the maximum amount of money that he could make. Oh, no doubt. Damn. This is the fight that, that people are... You know, this is the fight... Like I said, when I we talked about it last week, uh, and when I penned the article last week... It, we're pulling this fight is going to pull from three different audiences boxing in general supports mayweather they support their their stars they draw big numbers the biggest pay-per-view of all time was a boxing pay-per-view mixed martial arts fans will pull for their stars and conor mcgregor has some of the biggest pay-per-views ever to be seen in mixed martial arts so now you've got the boxing fans and now you got the mma fans you're gonna have the bandwagon following fans the followers that are like what's happening on saturday night everybody is talking about mayweather mcgregor every news outlet is going to be talking especially sports outlets this is going to hit all kinds of of CNNs, it's going to be on CNBC, it's going to be in everything you can imagine. 
people will be talking about this fight here from a whole bunch of business perspectives. So you're going to get that mainstream audience, to fo- and that's what you always want. If anything in life, you want to make money in prize fighting, you want to make money in combat sports, you want to make money in anything in life, it's not the hardcore fans you just have to go after because they're going to be coming no matter what. The boxing hardcores are going to be there. The boxing mainstream is going to be there. The MMA fans, hardcores are going to watch this because Conor McGregor is basically representing us. And then the, 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 the mainstream MMA fans know who Conor McGregor is. They know who Floyd Mayweather is. They're going to be supporting. And then you've got all their friends that are going to be like, what is this? And they're going to be paying attention. And they know that it is going to be the thing to do, the thing to watch on August 26th. So, yeah, this is going to be massive. This is historic. This is huge. You're going to talk about where you were, who you were with, uh, and what was going on the day of this fight. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, it's big time. And putting it right before Canelo Triple G, smart. Because that was the biggest boxing fight since Mayweather-Pacquiao when that was booked. That was That's how big that was. And I'll actually be on vacation the weekend of Triple G, Canelo. But, of course, our boys Carlos Toro and Steve Muehlhausen will have you all covered on that. By the way, guys, if you all haven't visited FightfulPods.com, head over there. It is a one-stop shop. For all of our podcasts, from this Holy Smokes podcast to The List in Your Boy, which did record numbers for us last week, to the post-Raw, SmackDown, UFC, uh, WWE pay-per-view shows. But not just that, we also have all of our archive podcasts with Frank Trigg, Sean Pearson, Elias Theodoru, uh, Patrick Cote, Shane Helms, Matt Riddle. Hundreds of podcasts over at FightfulPods.com, and hopefully... We might be having a visual update for Fightful.com soon, too. So check that out. And also, guys, use those forums for MMA, wrestling, boxing, uh, entertainment, TV, movies, music. Ready to get those, those MMA threads up and going. I want us to smash Sherdog. That's what I want to happen. <laughs> well, first and foremost, congratulations uh, to you and Jimmy Van uh, on the podcast. Uh, anyone that's known me long enough, you can go back and ask uh, Trig, Elias, uh, Sean Pearson, uh, Mark Hominick, who we're going to hear later on in the show today. Uh, ask those guys. They'll always tell you there's one thing about Showdown Joe is that he's never a hater. He's never envious. He always applauds. So I applaud you two uh, on the record numbers. Uh, the only it, thing it's, that it's I because think— because Jimmy Van told the circumcision story. That's what it was. For those that don't know the story, would you like to elaborate? We have we have a video up on it. They can go watch the video, but Jimmy Van had to cancel his kid's circumcision. I'm using that as the selling point for last week's show. There was a bigger angle on last week's show, but that's the seller. And I posted a video on uh, Fightful that says the first cut is the deepest. God, you guys have issues. You guys have issues, and, and that's probably why your ratings or your numbers are so high because you have issues. People yeah. want to just enjoy the train wreck that is you too, the list on your boy. But good for you guys. Congratulations. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, back to some MMA talk. We do have a lot to talk about. Uh, the unfortunate passing uh, of Tim Haig, uh, someone that I knew, uh, that I interviewed, that I've done a few things with. Uh, obviously, uh, Jermaine Durandamy getting stripped of her title. We know Megan Anderson and Cyborg will now be competing, I think, at the UFC 214 uh, for the title. Uh, Bellator goes down Saturday night. Kevin Lee, Michael Chiesa goes down in Oklahoma City Sunday night. There is lots to talk about here. But I do want to continue with the conversation regarding Mayweather uh, and McGregor because we're going to be talking about it, uh, I wouldn't say ad nauseum. That's what we do. we got to talk about it. But... Uh, um, as it stands right now, and as we get closer to the fight, Sean, I wonder if you and I are going to be convinced 
some way, somehow, by the legendary Floyd Mayweather and the way he promotes his opponents subliminally, that they all have a chance. Yeah. They can beat him. <laughs> they can the destroy him. It's the pro wrestling mentality, Joe. It's one of the things you're told is don't make your opponent look like a scrub because nobody's going to want to see you fight them. Also, if you beat them, well, then who have you beaten? That being said, Muhammad Ali, Conor McGregor, The Rock, those guys have done a pretty good job in going the opposite way. In saying, yeah, they are scrubs. They're bums. I'm going to beat them. I'm going to destroy them. They're candy asses. So what really works? What really works? You know, I, I'm just – I'm telling you, man. Did you ever watch the Showtime stuff with Canelo and Mayweather? Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, I watched that fight just thinking this is going to be the greatest thing ever and Canelo could barely touch him. Just barely. And I always thought to myself, as we got into the sixth or seventh round, I'm like, what am I watching here? Like, is, is Floyd going to slow down? Is Canelo eventually going to just pick this up and just destroy him? Like, my mentally thought was going to happen. When that fight came, went, judge's announcement came, and I was like, Floyd Mayweather, you genius, you fleeced me. And you got me good. Yeah. And I think that's what he's going to do to the vast majority of the public. Because as it stands right now, is Connor going to touch him? I know he's got this incredible way of, of using his footwork. He's a southpaw. And if he hits you, you're going to get hurt. Uh, but even in the conference call, you heard Floyd's peeps basically saying, oh, he's a dangerous fighter. When he yeah. touches you, he grazes you. You get hurt. Well, here's the thing with, with Mayweather. He is the best defensive boxer probably ever. He ran into a – now, he, keep in mind, Maidana got beat twice. But Maidana maybe had the the most success against him to a degree. And he is an awkward fighter. Yeah. Conor McGregor is probably going to be an awkward fighter. And he's a southpaw, which has given McGregor or Mayweather a little bit of trouble in the past. Ultimately, I'm leaning 95% Mayweather, but I'm never going to rule anybody out of any fight. Well, if you've been around the game it. long enough, you know better. You'd never say anyone's a guaranteed lock. If it's a lock, take everything you own and put money on it. I guarantee you nobody will do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe right? somebody will. Okay, yeah, that's true. There are there are dummies out there. What's with those titles behind you? Never noticed those titles before. Oh, uh, they're from an independent whoa, independent wrestling company. Shit, I'm not used to moving my head around here. Okay, they are from an independent wrestling company, those two, local to my area, Tag Team Championship and the Company Championship that I was for, I, I can't say I won them, I didn't win them, but uh, I was scripted. You're supposed to say yes, that you're a world champion. Yeah, I was scripted to win them. And actually, there is a million dollar championship, Ted DiBiase's old thing. I don't usually like to just have stuff that I haven't won or been scripted to win but my wife got me that for as like a gift because it's my favorite championship of all time and i have some medals and trophies and stuff back there i'm getting I'm supposed to get a trophy case or something uh nih said floyd will be betting one million dollars on himself which is basically like you illegal. or i betting illegal yeah. first off first off but that's like you and i putting 10 bucks on ourselves. yes that's like nothing to him. Uh, Jeff, somebody, YouTube. Somebody says, says the Hong Kong Hong Man guitar. No, no, it's not. It's from Jeff Jarrett. Thanks. Oh, I legit from Jeff Jarrett? 
Yeah, I sarcastically bought that because it was $30 on Impact Wrestling's website. They used to sell those for like 200 bucks. No way. Yeah. So I sarcastically okay. bought it and it's just sitting up there. When we get to like 10,000 Twitter followers or something like that or like maybe 20,000 YouTube subscribers or 25,000, I'll probably give it away to somebody because I – I'm going to be honest. I don't want that damn thing on my wall anymore. Spread the news, ladies and gentlemen. At Showdown Joe, at Sean Rossap, at Fightful MMA, at Fightful. Uh, yeah. You guys want that guitar? 20,000 20, YouTube subscribers. I'll do it. Get her done. Spread the word. Spread the word, kids. Get her done, especially those that are listening on iTunes later on and, and Stitcher as well. Please, by all means, uh, get the word out there. Uh, give us some love here. We put in our work. We love talking about fights. We love talking about what we do. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes in, in mixed martial arts, in combat sports, in prize fighting, there is sad news uh, that does come out. Tim Haig, Canadian heavyweight, uh, passed away after being knocked out on Friday in a boxing bout. Uh, he fought a guy, I think, that was 7-1. and one. And he was one, and, and Tim was one and two in boxing. Uh, got knocked down uh, a few times in round one. Shouldn't have came out for round two. Uh, you know, you can you can look at the fact that should the commission have sanctioned this? Should the referee have stepped in and said that's enough? Should should his corner have said? Should Haig's corner have said you're done? You can't you can't continue doing this. Uh, it, there's so many different ways and angles you can look at this, but the bottom line is it's a terrible story. It's a sad story. Uh, Tim Haig to me was just. You know, he was just a great guy. He was funny. Um, loved him and his wife. Oh, they're so hilarious. Uh, the first time Tim Haig met me uh, was in Las Vegas in an interview. Um, huge fan uh, of UFC Central time when it was on the air. He was almost giddy when he met me, Sean. Uh, and during the interview, he stopped and just said, I didn't know you were such a little guy, Showdown. You're a little guy. Because he's a big dude. I'm 5'7". He's like... I didn't think you were a little guy. I'll never forget that. The guys at Sportsnet, the people, the, the, my associate producer and the camera guy that were there were on fire laughing. The UFC PR staff were just rolling their eyes, laughing their faces off. When the video got back to Sportsnet, they were mocking me nonstop. All the different people working on UFC Central, the editors, uh, the graphics team, even some of the executives were like, hey, little guy. Hey, little guy, all because of Tim Haig. So, uh, you know, lots of love. Rest in peace, my brother. But it's sad, Sean, the way this all went down. And now the city of Edmonton has ordered a third-party review of the situation. This is a guy who is facing his fifth knockout that we know of since August of 2015. I watched the fight. It was very tough to watch. And now, that that being said, like four of those happened in an 11-month stretch, and he took some time off that we know of. Because, as we know, in the world of MMA, not everything gets reported, not everything gets recorded, and we don't see what happens in the gym. At this stage, I wonder how much he was in the gym. He might have been just fighting for money. I I don't know his personal situation. It's horrible. It's unfortunate. A guy who just a couple of years ago was having some success in World Series of Fighting, finishing guys. And it's unfortunate. I remember him choking out Pat Barry. And yeah. like oh nine, then the next fight that now historic knockout uh, uh, from Todd Duffy in seven seconds. Yeah, it's tough. It sucks. Thirty four years old. That's way too early to go. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's unfortunate. I hate it. It's it's a bummer. Boxing's got to change some stuff. How often do you? Now I'm not trying to make this a boxing versus MMA thing, but how often do you hear about this in MMA? 
not nearly as often. No, nor nor near, not even close. I mean, the, the reality is, boxing is you have one objective, and that's to knock someone's head off. That's what it is. In mixed martial arts, that's part of it, but you can also submit them. You know, whether it's an armbar, heel hook, choking, uh, whatever. So, if you want to compare the two, which is safer, neither is safe. Let's be honest. But if one is going to be considered safe than the other, you do have to go with MMA because there's far less head trauma. A broken bone can heal. You know, concussions cause damage, long-term damage, uh, as we're seeing. Um, and it's one of the reasons why Anthony Rebel Johnson decided, I'm done. I mean, he, he when I was sitting there, I think it was Friday night or Saturday morning, just scrolling through my Instagram, uh, I saw a post from Rumble. And it just talked about how a fighter, Tim Haig, was in a coma and, he, and Anthony, I don't know if we, do we have the picture, Sean? Yeah, we do. Anthony Rumble Johnson noted and said, This is why I walked away. This is a reality check for me. I've knocked out a lot of people, and I don't know how this didn't happen when I fought. I've been afraid of this happening to me. After learning about CTE, I'm afraid of it happening to anybody. So, I mean, Rumble Johnson says that you can't blame the guy. You can't, you definitely can't blame him. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to admit this is something that I've been dealing with for the better part of uh, almost a year, a year and a half now. Uh, even just before, you know, Fightful got put together, I started questioning my motives for, for being in mixed martial arts, for, for covering mixed martial arts, for being a part of a sport that I love, I have passion for. But the bottom line is I've been around the sport for so long, I wonder about all those guys that competed in the early days and continue to compete today. And when I see these people or fighters taking so much trauma and they have heart, I remember having a conversation with a fighter, uh, Adrian Woolley, a local fighter here, very good, almost best friends with Sean Pearson. Uh, and they had a local fight about two years ago uh, in Toronto. And, you know, after the fight, he, was, he, he won the fight. It was a tough battle. Here's a guy that should have been in the UFC. I think I flyweight or a bantamweight at the time. He's older now. Uh, he's, a te- he's a detective. He's just a, a very witty guy, very funny. But in his fight here, um, he took beating. He took some shots. He ended up emerging victorious. And afterwards in the parking lot as we were all leaving, uh, he's like, hey, show down. What would you think of my fight? And I didn't say congrats. Like I said congratulations on winning, but I was kind of like, dude. You took a lot of shots, man. You got to, you, you really got to avoid that. You got to start getting these guys down on the ground. Forget about standing toe to toe with them. I, I don't remember the whole conversation, but his response was, "Dude, I showed heart. What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Yeah, you can show heart, but..." And I just left it, Sean. I just left it. I said, "It's not what I like seeing in fights in mixed martial arts. You don't have to take that damage." You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I question sometimes I'm- why, you know, why am I, why am I, am I involved in a sport? That sees this kind of trauma. The thing is, I love the human chess aspect of, of of combat, and to be able to look at two individuals, male or female, and determine, okay, this person's got way better striking. This person's a grappler. Can that person knock that person? Oh, can that person get that get it down to the ground uh, and impose their will? And vice versa. So I do love the chess game. I just don't like the sadness of the trauma of the of the head trauma that fighters take. Yeah, one of the guys, actually somebody you spoke to who got out of the game relatively early is Mark Hominick. He took he he lost four fights, got got knocked out much like Tim Haig in seven seconds by Korean zombie. Got 
beat on for five rounds by Jose Aldo, then had those those two decisions. One was a fight of the night. He made a little money on his way out, and now he's doing just fine. He's doing great. So let's uh, carry on over to this conversation that you had with Mark Hominick. Not just about that, not just about him getting out of the game early, but the featherweight division and the shape that it's in now with Conor McGregor gone, with Max Holloway at the top, and with Jose Aldo falling a little bit. So happy to be joined by the machine, Mark Hominick. Mark, what's going on, my man? Mr. Joe, good to see your face, man. How are you? Good, good. How's business? I see Adrenaline Training Center behind you, Fitness yep. and Training Center. How's everything going? You know what? We're busy now. Like, you know, the last couple of years between Sam Sell, myself, and Chris Ordecki, full-time here at the gym, makes a big difference. You know, we still got some, some active fighters. Like, we got Chad Lepree coming up. He's fighting on uh, UFC 213 down in Las Vegas. So we're helping prepare. Uh, I got Malcolm Gordon coming up. He's fighting in Michigan. So, yeah, like the gym's busy, and, and, you know, I'm loving what I'm doing now. You left. Jose Aldo Jr. was the champion, and then Conor McGregor became the champ, and then Jose became the interim champ, and now we have Max Holloway as the official champion. I mean, what goes through your mind when you see all of this going down since you left the sport? You know, the the landscape has completely changed in in all aspects of it. You know, and with – um, with Connor kind of holding two belts ransom, you know, like the, the, the belt, the titles in, in, in most of the divisions don't, don't seem as important. It, it seems like the landscape now is, is all about super fights and, you know, building a, a big super fight as opposed to a title fight. You know, like the championship doesn't mean what it once di- uh, did, I believe. And, you know, I, I just think I don't like when they do that intern title because it doesn't give the verification that you are the champ. You know, there's always an asterisk beside it. So, I, you know, I feel bad for, for Max that he's going to have that beside his name as well. Now he's the real champ. He takes out Jose Aldo. Oh, actually, are you saying that because Max defeated Jose and Jose had the interim title because Connor was technically the champion? It may still be an asterisk. It it is a little bit watered down because you know there's going to be Connor's fans who are going to be chirping a while. You know you didn't beat the champ. You know so in 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 my mind, yeah, for sure Max is the champ because you know Connor's moved on to you know bigger and brighter things. But you know there, I think there is a little bit of an asterisk because he didn't beat the, the guy who beat the champ. Makes total sense. Listen, that's MMA math. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. In terms of Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo Jr., uh, that fight caught me by surprise because I gave him, I'd given the edge uh, to Aldo, obviously a, a seasoned veteran, uh, but Max Holloway seemed to have had his number. We're now hearing reports uh, by Day Day that, or Pedaneris, in essence, that Aldo was injured, uh, and Max's reply was, well, he didn't want to fight me anyways. And so you're getting all these stories, but the bottom line is, Holloway puts on this fantastic performance, despite Aldo, doing, you know, he was amazing at the beginning of the fight. You know, I, I think it came out of timing. You know, I, I think he did fight Aldo at the right time. I think a couple of years ago, he, he would have whooped him. You know, uh, you know, the, the Connor, I mean, sorry, Aldo was a champ for almost 10 years. And he was the, the he was wearing the crown. He, he was smashing guys. You know, in, in the last few years, you know, I think even after my fight, his, his style did change a little bit. You know, he, he did, was was kind of lasting the, the five rounds as opposed to he was more, more of a finisher. And if you look at the biggest problems he had against opponents, it was strikers. You know, he, he was always he always dominated wrestlers trying to take him to the mat or jiu-jitsu guys trying to take him to the mat because the takedown defense and striking was fantastic. But someone who pushed the pace, got in his face, that's where he had trouble. If you look at Connor, if you look at myself, and you look at Max. So, you know, I think the matchup, it was a great one. And it wasn't until, like, the week of the fight that I started to, to think, hey, you know what, Max has a chance. Because first off, he, he's, he's a lanky guy. He's had nine fights in a row. So he's got momentum because momentum is, is, is a killer against anybody. You know, when you when you have that belief in in, in in the streak that you're on, that that says more than any talent you have. 
But, you know, I think with him pushing the pace and having this, the, you know, the striking in your face style, that, that gave him his biggest edge. I think he's going to have problems if Frankie Edgar's his first title defense. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if Frankie wins. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. You know, like I, like I said, any, you know, striker like, like Max, that's a horrible matchup. You know, Frankie, his little pinball is going to keep coming, putting you on the mat, is conditioned for five rounds. You know, like that's, that's a dangerous fight. You know, if, if, you know, if I, if I was competing in that, that, that division, they, they said, hey, you know what, Frankie's next. I'd be like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, you know, you know what you're going to get. Absolutely. Oh, he had a fantastic performance against Yair Rodriguez. You mentioned Conor McGregor moving on to bigger uh, and better things. This guy has taken his career, you know, four and a half years ago, was in essence on social assistance, welfare over there in, in Ireland. Uh, and now he's, he's about to fight August 26th, Floyd Mayweather in a fight that we may never see him come back to the UFC because he's going to make so much money. What do you make of this whole situation? You know what? Good for him. You know, he, he's talked his way into this fight. He's taken the biggest, you know, light in the sport like everyone wants that fight against Floyd and, and all the boxers can't get it but you know he's obviously sparked some some interest the fight makes absolutely no sense in any sense of the word you know he's 49 49 no fighting the best boxer of all time you know he, who's fought everybody he's fought the trash doctor he's fought the southpaw he's fought the, fought the guy with the punching power like all these things that oh this is why Connor's going to beat him he's bought beat them all but you know he, he's picked the fight with the biggest draw in the sport so good for him I, you know like and it's a fight it it's, makes no sense on paper why this fight's happening but it's a fight that everyone's going to tune in because that's just it it's two guys you want to see fight who talk a lot and are going to you know go in there and throw down I can't listen uh, as we get close to the fight there's no ifs ands or buts we're going to have you back on here in the Holy Smokes podcast to some way somehow break it down I mean I feel like Conor McGregor is representing us in the world of mixed martial arts so some way somehow dude you have to win this fight although it's just it's it's probably not going to happen but we'll dissect it moving forward uh, in terms of the next time or sorry but you know there may be some time before we see you again what's next for Mark Hominick? Right now, you know, like day to day, obviously with my family, you know, like my, my two little girls spend as much time as I can with them. And here at Adrenaline Training Center, like I said, we have we have some guys coming up. Like, you know, Chad, Chad Lepree is fighting on 213. You know, he just came off a big knockout win. And he's fighting. He's going to be fighting at 170. So I expect big things out of here. Uh, out of him. And I've never seen him so motivated. You know, he had his first daughter. And, and there's there's something that some other edge that came out in him and, and, uh, and it's going to be shown on, on, on uh, UFC 213. We have Malcolm Gordon coming up um, on the 14th of July. Uh, he's fighting in Michigan. And I think it's another one of those fights where he's climbing back to where he belongs. And, and that's on the next level. He was, you know, he was the top ranked fighter at 125 pounds in the country. And I, and I see him reclaiming that spot soon. So people always ask me, look, man, Hominick's your boy, Sam Stout, uh, Chris Hordesky, you know, the, you know these guys very well. Give us an inside tip, Joe. I'm like, I'm not going to give you an inside nothing because there's stuff that always remains confidential. But I will lend some sort of comedic aspect here. And I'll ask Mark this question. I'll let anyone else listening in or watching right now figure this out. I'll ask Mark this. Are Hordesky and Malcolm allowed to be in the gym at the same time? No, it's, it's something oh, – someone always gets hurt and it's or, – or destroyed. I think today – they train together today at noon, and there's a hole in the wall. So, I mean, you can kind of expect it's like two bulls in a china shop. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Mark the Machine Harmick. Mark, we thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, anytime. It's good to see you. A guy who has been near the mountaintop, fought Jose Aldo, and just three fights later went on a skid, took a lot of damage, and he said, you know what? I'm going to try something else, and has made a great go of it. 
Yeah, uh, he's doing fantastic at the gym right now. Obviously, you mentioned Chris Hordesky and Sean <laughs> uh Sorry, I'm laughing because of uh, Malcolm and, and Hordesky. Uh, I kind of asked that question at the end. Uh, for those that don't know, those two guys are just crazy. Crazy, 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 whether they're in the gym or outside of the gym. Um, so anyone that knows the inside story to that or inside stories to those two, you'll know why I asked that question. They are absolutely hilarious. Um, I'll, I'll never forget that fight. Obviously, it took place at Rogers Centre here uh, in Toronto. Uh, arguably, obviously, it's a bias, but the greatest entrance uh, for a fighter to ever come into a, a UFC fight was Mark Hominick because uh, it was so perfect. The whole uh, P. Diddy, I'm coming home, uh, the the, the Maple Leaf with the snowflakes, uh, Sean Tompkins behind him yelling and barking and screaming as he made his way to the world title fight, fighting for the world championship, uh, basically on his home soil. Uh, and we'll never forget that whole. I mean, I, I literally put my face in um, in my in uh, the UFC program, hiding back my tears because we worked so hard to get. Uh, mixed martial arts sanctioned and regulated in Ontario and when it finally happened and then to be doing it with 55,000 people at the Rogers Center and then the, one of the first spo- the first fighters I ever sponsored uh, was Mark Hominick Sean Tompkins, David Loazzo, Mark Hominick uh, and a few other guys they were my first showdown fightwear sponsors back in the day in 2000 June of 2000, those were the guys that were sporting the showdown fightwear gear uh, so those, you've got some special love uh, for those guys and for Mark to be competing in that world title and had the hematoma on his head. Uh, and then, yeah, the fourth and fifth round dominating Jose Aldo. And in the last minute as he's just mounting and or just pounding, well, not mounted, he was in guard and he was just pounding away at Aldo. And you see him look up at the clock, take that deep breath. And he just kept going and going and going. We were begging for one more minute, begging for one more round because he was beating Aldo. Aldo was on the verge of losing that title uh, to a guy that no one gave gave a chance to and I'll never forget being in there and you know you, you've heard stories of me and, and how I try not talk about other people in the media uh, some broadcasters and stuff like that I was there and heard them flat out you know say Mark Hominick's gonna get destroyed this fight should never take place and you know just talking so much shit about Mark Hominick made me <laughs> sick to my stomach and I kept my mouth shut and these were the guys that were cheering Mark on in the fourth and fifth round I Freaking hypocrite! Oh, I almost said, almost dropped an F bomb there, but hypocrites. You could, it's, we're not regulated by the FCC. Yeah, but Jimmy my son encourages will watch these. it. People always I, ask me, they're like, at, at your old place, you didn't curse a lot. Well, I had a muzzle on, basically. Yeah, I'm I like to keep my muzzle on. I like to behave myself, and my son will be watching these soon. I don't want him to say, "Daddy, yeah. use bad words, swear jar." Now he'll just say, "What or what did Sean say? What are th- that's terrible?" Yeah. The thing is with you. Which Sean is what you have to, to ask? Jeez, oh, I'll never put a Pearson on podcast line with him. And Pearson <laughs> knows. Pearson's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want my son Logan and 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 Hunter to see this. I'm like, dude, then stop swearing. He's like, but I have to. I'm like, okay, do what you got to do, man. He goes, you don't swear either. I said, no, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't want. I don't need it. So it's all good. I might drop a couple f bombs. People do piss me off, but whatever. I got a tweet about the shirt. By the way, send in questions on the YouTube chat or uh, the forum over at Fightful.com. Or on Twitter, somebody says, what's with the shirt, Sean? Cincinnati FC, we have soccer fever in this area right now. We're trying to get an MLS team. We draw like 30000 a game. Really? It's insane, yeah. They they said that it would be like the 12th or like maybe the 11th or 12th best MLS attendance would be Cincinnati if they adopted them like tomorrow. Beat an Why M- not? Beat yeah. an MLS team two weeks ago, too. Which MLS so, team? 
I feel like it was maybe Columbus. Okay. If, there, if it was DC United, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Because I could uh, put 10 guys in the field with me and we could probably beat DC United. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Any DC have, United fans out there. But we have a big weekend ahead for, for MMA. Also, on the wrestling side, guys, Ring of Honor, Best in the World coverage on Friday. I'm talking to Silas Young tomorrow. That should be fun. But Saturday night, Bellator NYC. Sunday night, UFC Oklahoma City, which is what I want to get to first. We are going to bring you a post-fight show after UFC Oklahoma City. Uh, I'll be out Saturday night, and I thought it was better if we attacked both shows as opposed to one. But both of these shows, like, that that OKC show isn't, like, getting all this pub or anything. But as I look down the show, I'm like, man, this is a pretty damn good card. Yeah. And by the way, Jeff YouTube says Joel's shirt's way better. Yeah, I doubt it. What is that? Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu. Not Jack Daniels, which I may have partaken in a few gallons over my you'll, life. you'll have to wash your your pain away with jack daniels after one toe hold yeah but the shirt's destroyed man like you, you put the odor on it's one of those shirts that the pits go white instantaneously right so oh uh, what did you say about jack daniels sorry i said you'll have to wash that pain away after a catch wrestler puts you in a toe hold or a heel hook right any leg Dude, locks if you if you and i were to roll and you so much as went near my legs i'd be like yeah i'm good Go ahead. I'm, I I gotta coach soccer. I gotta do, I gotta do cardio. I gotta do squats. Don't go near my knees and legs, man. They're ba- they're my whole body. So one of the one of the jokes that Sean Tompkins, you know, rest his soul as well, rest in peace, my brother, that he used to mock me. Guys, guys from my old gym, they used to mock me all the time. They used to call me duct tape. They used to call me duct tape. Don't even come on the mats. Don't even spar. Don't even come out and train with us unless you cover every one of your joints with duct tape because oh, i break same, anything yeah dude, i'm the same way i'm so injury prone and i train with some some killers but um yeah man like it's well i used to train with some killers i don't get as much training in now that i'm with fightful but uh yeah man it's uh i, I i'm so injury prone it sucks and I, I never get hurt in pro wrestling either i never get hurt in pro man. wrestling even though it hurts more than mma it's so weird Dude, for those of you on the chat right now or listening in or watching right now that train uh, any sort of combat sports and are in your late 30s or early 40s, maybe your 50s, these injuries don't necessarily go away. They stay. They come back out of nowhere. And the stupidest things can happen where you re-injure something or you injure something new. The other day, last week, I pulled a hamstring. Thankfully, I haven't done anything crazy. It's getting better. I was doing good mornings with light weight very lightweight i think 40 pounds on the bar and i was just sitting there and as soon as i went down i think second or third time behind my left hamstring all i felt sean was like i was like oh don't do it don't do it put the weight down blah blah i'm kicking that you know you know uh, bazooka joe joe valtellini former glory uh welterweight champ yeah love yeah. joe he's he sent me uh, a 10-round, three-minute workout that he wanted me to use uh, big time, and everything ends with low kicks. He's, so he's got great instructionals on YouTube, too, by the oh, way, guys. He's amazing. He's amazing. But he sent me and everything, Sean, every combination, every round ends with low kicks. And I'm left foot dominant. So when I played soccer, I was, I was a left footed. So I kicked with more power with my left foot. Despite me being orthodox, I would he wanted me to do a lot of switching. So boom, boom, switch, and kick. And next thing you know, I'm just, where the hell did this pain come from? Well, <laughs> I'm only four rounds in. I'm not even kicking that hard. And it's been there for two years. 
it's, it's called an IT band stretch. And it's just it's messed up. So going back to what you said, if you and I were to roll, you went anywhere near my legs, I'm tapping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, when I get a Jay Grooms or a Brian McDowell or a Brandon McLeese who are in my gym doing stuff like that, give it a little tappy. Tap, 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 Roo. Freaking NIH. If you're in your 40s, don't be doing good mornings. I got to stay in shape, man. You got to – every sort of work I, – I change it up every six to eight weeks, and the, I'm in a, in, a, in a cycle right now where it's good mornings, and got to do them. Got to keep those hamstrings uh, from popping, which unfortunately it did. Uh, sorry, Sean. You, you want to get to this Bellator card, I assume? Uh, OKC first. Uh, then we'll get KC. to Bellator. Do you think BJ Penn's got to do good mornings? Uh, BJ Penn has to, well, he's fighting Dennis Seaver. Uh, he's, BJ Penn's got to do a lot of things. But He's 38. He's close to 40. Yeah, but he's a professional athlete. I'm not. I'm a <laughs> professional coffee drinker. That's what who, I do for being. Who wins this fight? I can't even begin to break down how it will go down because the thing is, BJ Penn's last two fights, we've not seen really any offense out of him. We've not well, seen any. Well, this question. Is it BJ Penn fighting Dennis Seaver or is it BJ Penn's ego fighting Dennis Seaver? Because BJ Penn should not be striking technically with Dennis Seaver. Just take him down. Yeah. The thing is, like, the last time we've seen any semblance of offense from BJ Penn was, like, in 2012. Oh, yeah. You're right. 2012. And I'm just sitting here wondering, how did he last three rounds with, with Frankie Edgar? How did he last a round and 30 seconds with Yair Rodriguez? I don't know. This is, this is one of those fights that's like, man, I'll chop it down right now, but I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to be interested in it no matter what because of the name. That's why when they say, oh, well, Chuck Liddell's going to come back and fight Tito or Chuck Liddell's going to fight anybody, I'll be like, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to watch. I'm going to enjoy it. You know, uh, I love BJ. I love his brothers. They're fantastic. They're hilarious. His mom treats me like gold. So there's always a special affinity for guys that I've known from back in the day. So, um, you know, I'm rooting for BJ in this fight. I mean, if, if I'm going to root, obviously I'm impartial when I watch because I got a report on it sort of thing. But, you know, there's a special place in my heart for BJ Penn. I want to see him emerge victorious. This could be the fight where he says, you know what? I won. I'm out. Yeah. I'm really hanging up the gloves this time. But you're talking about a guy living on an island who's born to fight. It's all he cares about. Loves to fight. And by the way, uh, Vinny Fernando, maybe pool aerobics is more your more your speed, Joe. Oh, hell yeah. I love pool aerobics. I'm in. I love it. And, and you know why. <laughs> All right? And that's it's not because the elderly are there. It's different types of classes, my friend. Like hot yoga. I'm not saying anything else. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> and the thing with BJ Penn, it is that competitive urge. And maybe he doesn't get that from just competing in like grappling or jiu-jitsu or something. I've got that with – like pro wrestling satisfies my competitive urges. I might be 47, 48, not having wrestled in like three or four years, maybe 10 years, and then just decide I want to do it again. But the difference is that doesn't result in me getting just mercilessly beaten repeatedly every couple of years. So that, that'll be one to watch out for. On the prelims, Tony Martin, Johnny Case, interesting fight. Johnny Case had a real strong start to his UFC career. Uh, now trying to make a little bit of a comeback after he after he dropped a fight, uh, Martin on the upswing. He's won three of four. That'll be one to watch out for. Carla Esparza, former champion, is on the Fox Sports Two prelims against Morose. Yeah, 
That's crazy. Well, it's not crazy, but I, I get it. You know, it's 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 actually gonna be a good fight. I like yeah, it's that. Not, fight. It's not crazy because Carla Esparza never seems to want to fight anybody. She's always what got she like sell? she these... sold something recently on eBay or something like that. That and I was like, what? Just to make money. Well, she never fights. She fought. She's fought once this year, once last year, once the year before that. Uh, once technically in 2014, but she had several fights in the Tough House. Once in 13, twice in 2012. If you don't fight. You're not going to get paid. Get paid. And she's 29 100%. years old. You got to fight right now while you can. So she lo- she lost to Marcos that split decision. Uh, she might lose this fight too. I think there's something about Carla Sparza that continues to show me that it's just not there anymore. It's just the 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 hun- not the hung maybe the hunger, but maybe the MMA IQ is gone for a moment. It's just she's not reacting the way her brain is probably telling her to react. She's she's a little bit more timid. She shouldn't be, you know, she should be she came into the UFC, especially from the house. And was supposed to be this destroyer. So maybe we thought that, you know, Johanna Jacek was the one fighter that had her number. She could be, she could have been that number one fighter in this division or 1A and just simply had Johanna Jacek as the person that has her number. She clearly isn't. Johanna Jacek takes people's souls and there ain't nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I'm not going to fault the woman if she had her soul taken, even for a little while, by Johanna Jacek because I remember. Throughout that that tough thing, she kind of she was a favorite. How are they going to deal with the wrestling of Carla Esparza? How are they going to deal with that? Joanna showed you. Joanna showed you, and uh, that that's going to be a very interesting, telling fight in that division because Carla Esparza is still relevant. Kind of, she's never a name that people bring up. She's never one that people talk about in that division, but she is still relevant. And Morose is. Ranked number 10. So this is a top 10 fight, just chilling the UFC uh, or the, the Fox Sports 2 prelims. That's pretty cool. Also, an interesting, interestingly booked fight. Clay Guida, Eric Koch. Yeah. And now, see, if this were Clay Guida five, six years ago, I'd be like, damn. Maybe, maybe even just throw that as the co-main, but you never know what kind of Clay Guida you're going to get these days. But something I'm, I'm very happy to see is Clay Guida at lightweight. That's what I. That's I'm happy to see that. Yeah, he does have to cut those extra ten pounds. The same thing with Eric Koch, who one day uh, shared stories with me and, and just talking about cutting weight. Uh, this is a dude that can get over two hundred pounds. He sent me a picture one time. He's like, Joe, check this out, and he had a belly. He legit had a belly. And I said, well, what's, you know, what do you do when you cut weight? He's like, well, it's always nutrition all the time. But you want the secret? I said, sure. Baby oil. So what? Get in the hot tub or get in a hot bath with baby oil. And you'll just start sweating like crazy. I'm like, wow. That doesn't make sense, but you're making 145. You're making yeah. 155. I'll take your word for it. He goes, it's not that hard, man. It sucks, but it's not that hard. Baby oil works. And I'm like, all right, might be greasy as hell. Oh yeah, getting into your fight, but gotcha. Totally understand that. <laughs> Just on a quick side note, Sean, if we can go back real quick. Sure. Uh, on the live chat, uh, I'll try and pronounce this. Uh, Kiss again, Chandra Mohan said Conor McGregor free agent for sponsorship for Mayweather fight. Now I saw this smart. headline. No, no, no. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've seen this headline on various sites. The Reebok sponsorship 
Is it not just for the UFC fight? When you're in the UFC, I know he's got one outside of the UFC with Reebok. But this is a different avenue. This is a different medium for competing. Why are people surprised about this? They shouldn't be. It's just another aspect of that guy's really smart. Or whoever recommended that to him is really, really smart. To let all that stuff lapse and then be able to say... Hey, British not Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Lights, even. Hey, Moon Shoes. Whoever makes Moon Shoes, you wanna you wanna uh, talk you wanna talk to me about a sponsorship? Let's do it. Anybody, anybody that he wants, he can go out there. He can go up over there and say, Nike, make me an offer. Hey, Reebok, this is what Nike offered me. Hey, Adidas, this is what they offered me. Hey, Reebok, you don't want me wearing that Nike logo or that Adidas logo, do you? You better offer me some more money. Brilliant, smart. He's going to make Genius. a lot of extra money off of that. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you, it's, not, it's just part of the game, ladies and gentlemen. You, you play one sponsor off the other until you get to a point where one of them isn't going to budge anymore, and then you take that last offer. Simple. See, that's just, I, I'm that's a negotiation. I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. If Nike ever said... We're going to give you 35 cents to wear a shirt every Monday. I'd be like, I love you, Nike. Come to me. I'm a mark for Nike. But Conor McGregor ain't a mark. <laughs> He's smart. He's a yeah. mark for the money. So. You've got to pay me a lot more to wear certain things. That's for sure. Uh, Guida Cocto. Uh, who merges victorious here? I- I'm going to say Coke. Coke has looked... Uh, better at lightweight he he lost to crookshank and took a couple years off came back uh beat shane campbell but it's a matter of him staying in the cage staying in the cage 28 years old i think this is where he's going to try to make his run i think he's going to start trying to make his run and a win over clay guida could do that clay guida man 35 years old he hasn't put together two wins since 2011 he's Let's see. Oh, three and six in his last nine. That's that's a rough go of it. That's a rough go of it. R- dropping that quick fight uh, against Tavares a couple years ago really just made me look back and go, Ugh. he got knocked out pretty brutally by Ortega. Ooh, this ain't the this ain't the Clay Guida that we've we've seen for years. But still, even then, it's hard for me to write him off because he is the same guy that beat. Pettis, Gomi, and Dos Anjos back-to-back. He's the same guy that did beat Nate Diaz. He's the same guy that beat Josh Thompson. He's the same guy that beat Hatsu Hioki, or Hioki and Kawajiri. He has beaten a who's who in this sport, but sometimes he's caught them at the right time, either right before their peak or right after their peak. But this is a great fight to add. I just hope that we see an older version of Clay Guida from an entertainment perspective. Yeah, I think we will. I think, I mean, Clay Guida, rarely has he ever been in a boring fight. He's always bringing that energy. Uh, and Eric Hoke has more, been more than happy to throw bombs uh, at that moving target. So uh, we'll see what happens there. In terms of the BJ Penn-Dennis Seaver fight, uh, we'll, we'll get off of that real quick. But 
Dennis Seaver, widely regarded as a 10-minute fighter in a 15-minute sport. Uh, BJ Penn, long been criticized for his cardio. Uh, does this thing make it to the third round? There's no, I, don't, I, I can't see it going the distance. Uh, but does it make it to a third round? And is that if it does, is that where the finish takes place? I mean, these two guys could just lay an absolute egg and <laughs> go three rounds. It could. You know, I mentioned that that Joanna and Jacek took Carla Esparza's soul. I think that Conor McGregor took Dennis Seavers, too. Dennis Seaver has never recovered from that situation. And that's something that Conor McGregor says to hype up his fights is that people change after they've fought me. And thus far, he hasn't been wrong. Jose Aldo is not the featherweight champion anymore. Chad Mendez is out of the sport for a while. Nate Diaz just ain't fighting. So we, we don't know. Like, we don't know He does how... have a point. Yeah. No, you're right. He, you're right. Th- you can make a case that a lot of these guys are either changed or are just... They're so fixated on Conor McGregor that they, they just stick to it. Dennis Seaver ain't fixated on Conor McGregor, but... At 38 years old, I don't think he will ever be the same after that. And I think a little bit of that started with Cub Swanson beating him the way that he did after a really good fight. But I'd be surprised if this went to three rounds. But but that being said, I would also not be surprised if they barely touched each other for three rounds, too. It's You're going with that, eh? A little bit of both, yeah. Hmm. All right. I'm a little torn on this Tim Means-Alex Garcia fight because I feel like I know what to expect from Tim Means, and I've always expected more from Alex Garcia. I just don't know how these two match up, uh, and it could be fight of the night. It could be a fantastic scrap. I just don't know what to expect in this fight. What do you think? There are two guys who have traditionally in the UFC been kind of inconsistent outside of that that impressive run that Means had in 2014 and 15. But they, they've had trouble staying consistent in the cage. And when you put two guys like that up against each other, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Uh, Garcia knocked out Mike Pyle, but at some point Mike Pyle's jaw was going to go. So that didn't really answer a lot for me. He, he beat Mike Swick. Well, at some point, Mike Swick's got to go. So that didn't answer a lot for me. That, that was the situation, and that, that's the issue that I have with Alex Garcia and his UFC run. But then he lost to Neil Magny, he lost to Sean Strickland. Tim Means has shown that he's a pretty well-rounded dude, but against those guys that are just above, a little bit above, he runs into trouble. Matt Brown, um, Cowboy Oliveira, Magny, Masvidal, even Danny Castillo at the time was, was, I believe, doing pretty well. But I think that Tim Means should probably rise to the occasion. Uh, but you know, at some point, you know, when is Tim Means' time going to come? When when is he going to be that Mike Swick? When is he going to be that Mike Pyle? Because despite being thirty three years old, this is another guy that we look at. What thirty five plus pro fights that we know of? That we know of because yeah. who knows how yep. many times he may have fought and it not been recorded? When is it going to be his time? But ultimately, it comes down to consistency, and I think that Tim Means has been the more consistent guy, and I think he'll get it done. Uh, Joaquim, or Joaquim, whichever part of the world you're in, uh, Christensen taking on Dominic Reyes in a light heavyweight tilt in a division that is extremely, I guess we could say, lacking depth. Anytime you compete at light heavyweight, you can make a name for yourself. 
Yeah, and there there are a lot of questions surrounding Reyes. He's only fought for like what two and a half years. He fought earlier this month. I mean, he fought like three weeks ago and mm-hmm. knocked the dude out in under a minute with a head kick. Then he fought in February and knocked the dude out in thirty seconds with a head kick. And then he fought last September, beat a guy in like ninety seconds. So he's a quick finisher. We we know that he is a big, big light heavyweight too. Big he's like dude, six yep. foot four. Christensen is a little up there. <laughs> he's old. He's 38. I the reach isn't going to be as much of an issue because he's also a big light heavyweight. He's 6'3". Again, consistency. And he just got into the UFC in like October, but he's the type of guy who can go the distance and has shown he can go to go the distance, but lately hasn't been. I if I were Reyes, I would try to steamroll him, make a name for myself on the main card of this show. I, th- I think Reyes is going to get it done, but that's that's largely with a big, big question mark around it because I, I haven't seen a lot of Reyes. Uh, guys, if you're, girls, everybody, if you're if you're tuned in live right now for every one of these fights that we begin mentioning, please by all means throw up your predictions up there. Who wins? Why? Uh, by what method? In what round? We've already talked about Esparza versus Mar- uh, Marina Moroz. Uh, we mentioned Clay Guida versus Eric Koch, uh, Johnny Case, Tony Martin, uh, BJ Penn, Dennis Siever, Tim Means, Alex Garcia, Christensen, Reyes. We're now moving on to the women's strawweight division with Felice Herrig, who basically everyone. Not everyone, but the vast majority of people doubted in her last tilt, taking on Justine Kish, a vicious Muay Thai kickboxer who's been up and down. Uh, I like this fight because there's a bit of an unknown heading in for both of these ladies. Was Felice what we expected, uh, what we saw in her last fight? Does she bring it to this fight versus Justine, who's had too many knee injuries? That's that's an important thing. Uh, a lot of knee injuries. A lot of success, but I wonder. I wonder about that. And Felice Herrick has never been given her credit because of the way that she used to market herself. She doesn't really anymore. But she used to take the provocative photos and stuff, and she didn't get a lot of there, I don't want to say she didn't get a lot of respect. She wasn't respected as much as she deserved. This is a girl who right now has won three or four in the in the UFC's strawweight division, but she's ranked number thirteen. This is a woman who took the time off, reassessed what she needed to do, and has come back and won two in a row. This is a woman who competed in Bellator, met success, competed on the Ultimate Fighter, met a degree of success, competed in the UFC, success. She She's found it a little bit everywhere. Doesn't really uh, care who she fights. She she took on a challenge that not a lot of people thought that she was going to be able to overcome in Grasso. And uh, with Keish, this is a good opportunity for her to launch herself into that top 15 division. But I, I think that Felice Herrig has – she's got just like this intangible. She, she kind of adapts pretty well. And I yep. will say that, that her, her loss to Paige Van Zandt, for how early that was in Van Zandt's career, that, that win looks very, very impressive right now. Another girl I don't think that gets, gets the credit she deserves – because of looks and marketing and and things like that. But I think that Felice Hare just has that intangible. She adapts for, as it pertains to women MMA, she'll never be like that top five for me, but she's a threat to anybody below that. She's she's a threat to some of the women in the top five, like with the right thing, but or with the right uh, circumstance, but 
She's just one of those girls that, that can either match up well with anybody or she could drop a fight to about anybody. It's it's tough. Also, yes, uh, some, as somebody pointed out, she did fight in Invicta. Uh, yep. Didn't meet any success there, though. She lost to Tisha Torres, but she's a threat to anybody outside that top five, in my opinion. Remember, Justine's undefeated in MMA. Forget yes. about the reality show. She's 6-0. and She's also 18-2. and Her kickboxing record's 18-2. and so she's had 26 professional fights, undefeated in mixed martial arts, uh, obviously took a variety of time off. Um, her fight with, with um, I think it was Random Marcos in 2014, was a stellar scrap. It was a decision that could have went either way, but she does have a victory over Random Marcos uh, at RFA. And that that's another got thing. Got the ultimate fighter. Sorry to interrupt. Keish likes to drag people into deep waters, goes the distance. I don't think Felice Herrick has a problem with that. I think she's more than happy to do that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm like. I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to the scrap because there's some intangibles and unknowns and just some answers that I'm looking. Um, or some questions that I'm looking to have answered because is Felice who she was in those last two fights where she emerged victorious, especially against Grasso. No one gave her yeah. a chance against. Nah, she was an underdog. Uh, and of course, Justine six and zero just hasn't competed so much because of the surgery and and the, the knee issue. So I like this fight. Lots of questions. We're going to get our answers. Same thing with middleweight scrap co-main event Tim Boach taking on hometown hero Johnny Hendricks at middleweight. Does Johnny Hendricks continue whatever run he thinks he's going to be on at middleweight and try and get close to a title shot? I say no. And Tim Boach is the type of fighter you just you can never overlook. That's the case with a lot of these fights on this show. It's a guy that probably should win against a person, or a person who should win against a person who you can't overlook because they always make it messy. Two big American sirloin beef sons of bitches just throwing <laughs> down. That's what I'm hoping for out of this one. Like, it's, it's. I hate to sound like a broken record. What Johnny Hendricks are we going to see? Which one? Yeah. I like yeah. him at middleweight. Cool. I love Tim Boach because he is he's great. Like I bring this up every time he fights, but what made him for me was on the the Velazquez uh, the Velazquez Junior Dos Santos show. UFC 155. I'll never forget. He was on a great winning streak at that point and he was facing Costa Filippo. And in between oh, yeah. rounds, he I can't remember what he said. There was some injury He's like, oh, I broke my hand or something. And his corner goes, well, do you want to quit? And he goes, fuck no. Like, why is that even an option? <laughs> yeah, Tim. Tim's just your regular dude, man. Blue collar. We, Tim and I have talked ice fishing. I'm, so, to I'm come shocked up. that he was. A, he's an ice fisher. Just yeah. shocked. He, when he knew I was from Canada, he was like, oh. And he kind of leans over the table. I think we're at the uh, MGM uh, media area where the fighters are coming in in between fights or after fights, whatever. Uh, and he's just he knew I was Canadian. He's like, oh, man, do you go ice fishing? I'm like, every February, me and the boys go ice fishing. It's a debauchery. Or debauchery. No wives, no kids. Uh, ten guys, two huts, cottage, whatever, on, the, on, on land, huts on the lake. And it's a debacle. And he's like, I want to go. I want to come by. What do you guys catch? And we're, I, this is cool. Talking ice fishing with Tim Boach. We're not talking MMA. Um, and that was a – honestly, uh, Sean, that was a feature that we were going to do for the TV show. It was just too – logistically couldn't get done. Cost a lot of money to get those camera guys, uh, real camera oh, yeah. guys out uh, on – you know, and we had to be driving you know, f- about three and a half, five miles uh, onto a lake in our trucks. 
It's kind of scary. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'm liking this fight. Tim Boach, Johnny Hendricks. Uh, hopefully Johnny Hendricks doesn't have too many stakes leading up to this fight because I know he loves his red meat. Uh, this is a fight that's going to get interesting. Will Tim Boach – will we see Johnny Hendricks manhandled? I don't think we will because he's, you know, he's a wrestler. Wrestlers don't get manhandled. But Tim Boach has that dad strength. You know, like it yeah. could just he'll, – he'll determine whether or not he's going to get taken down just by pushing – Johnny Hendricks. So we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to the scrap here and what it actually means for the division because, in my opinion, all the pressure's on Johnny Hendricks. It's not on Tim Boach. 100%. Johnny Hendricks has to keep himself relevant uh, in a middleweight division that he is just coming to. So, yeah, I agree. Main event. A fight before the summer kickoff press conference that we all questioned. Why is this a main event? Nobody knows who they are, who these guys are. Nobody cares. And then the press conference took place. And these two some bitches got together and put on a performance of a lifetime. It wasn't staged. It wasn't fabricated. It was raw. It was real. It developed, quote unquote, organically very quickly. Punches were thrown. The mom word was used a few times. This is a main event that's going to be either a race for a rear naked choke or forget the submissions. I hate you. The referee is going to prevent me from beating your skull in. This is a bona fide Fox Sports 1 main event now, and they did a good job making it, even though I don't think they meant to. Kevin Lee did show up ripping off that horrible Russell Westbrook outfit. Every <laughs> Russell Westbrook outfit's horrible, but he showed up ripping that off and had the nerve to say that people are trying to be like him. Still, he's, he's a 24-year-old, young, promising fighter. He's not a guy that you can look at and say... He lost, so he's got this hole, that hole. 24 years old, he's still plugging those holes. He lost to Ally Aquinta in his debut. That was three years ago. He was 21. He got beat by Leonardo Santos. Leonardo Santos, everybody loses to Leonardo Santos. Happens. You got Mike Chiesa, who, as we've, say, as we've said, is a threat to anybody. He's one of those guys that they put in, like... You'll put him in against Masvidal. You'll put him in against Lozon, against Miller, against Guida. You'll put him in against all these guys. Like, if you did a round-robin tournament of these guys, all of the Cole Miller, Jim Miller, they'd all end up with the same number of points at the end because they would all have 500 records. But uh, he, he be, he, it's been a while for him, though. That's, that's my concern. He hasn't fought in a long time, over a year. Kevin Lee has stayed very, very active. In in the time that Michael Chiesa has been gone, Kevin Lee's won four fights. That, I think, makes the difference. That's what I think pushes Kevin Lee over the edge. Um, I think that's what gives Kevin Lee the advantage here. But this is a hell of a fight. What a main event. Yeah, Kevin Lee got his ass whooped in his last fight in the first round. Trinaldo yes. whooped him. And he said, nope, I'm choking you out, son. So he's got heart. Uh, he's got the, the, the fighter mindset to figure it out. Don't quit and just figure it out in the fight. Uh, whereas Kiesa, he doesn't have that style that everyone goes, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's a perfect mixed martial artist. He's no Demetrius Johnson. But if he gets your back, look out, ladies and gentlemen. Sure. So I love this fight. I'm looking forward to it now. I will be uh, – I'm not saying I'm eating crow. Uh, <laughs> neither is Frank Trigg. When we discussed it at length, we simply said – Something needs to happen for these two guys to get to garner interest. They need to make some noise, and woo, they did it. And I'm looking forward to Sunday night, school night, 
ladies and gentlemen. Sean Rossap has me out on a school night working my tail off because after this event, we will recap, do a full recap of this event and the Bellator MMA New York City card, uh, which is basically a uh, everyone has a, a famous relative, Sean, on this card. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting how they constructed the prelims. Ryan Couture, Neiman Gracie, Chinzo Machida. They had Carrie Ann Melendez on the show, but uh, she kind of she got hurt with Drew. They also have Heather Hardy on the show, who was a boxer, a very good boxer, was like uh, really outstanding, looking to make her transition at 35 years old. But the main fight on the well, they got the James Gallagher versus Chinzo Machida fight, which Gallagher should win. But Phil Davis, Ryan Bader for the light heavyweight championship as the Spike TV main event for Bellator 180 before NYC. Now, this is before Aaron Pico and Zach Freeman. And I don't know who the hell Zach Freeman is. <laughs> so I hope you don't ask me to preview that. But they're, they're, they're bringing the goods on Spike TV as well. Well, when I first saw that they were doing that, you know, the first thing that goes through my mind was WTF. What? Are you kidding me? This is a world championship title fight. This is a pay-per-view worthy card or pay-per-view worthy fight. What's going on here? The madness, the understanding is, hey, it's a world title fight that if it's exciting, will drive people to the pay-per-view. Your theory is a bit opposite. Technically, technically a bit opposite and it makes sense. Yeah, I just think that they maybe expect that this fight, it's going to be a big fight that's going to get a lot of eyes, but... Has the potential. Has the potential to be a really bad fight. So it's weird because when you think about it, uh, you think Phil Davis, you know, he puts the pressure on. Ryan Bader, he can knock people out. He's very excited or very exciting fighter to watch at times. But this matchup, uh, you know, Sean Ross Sapp's bang on. It could be boring. It could be very boring because they could neutralize each other. Uh, maybe they'll keep their distance. Um the striking is, is – you can look at Phil Davis' striking as a bit more predictable than Ryan Bader's explosiveness. So, But neither one of these guys are, are – it's, it's, it's tough to say. Anything can happen. I still think Phil Davis does walk away uh, with the title, but I won't be surprised if he gets dropped hard by Bader. Yeah, but then again, I, I won't be surprised if, if Phil Davis absolutely smothers Ryan Bader either. This is a hell of a fight. This is a good, good, good fight that uh, – I think the UFC was like didn't want to touch with a ten foot pole again, but Bellator was more than happy to. Well, Bellator is more than happy to do a lot of things the UFC stopped doing. Uh, moving on to the main card, Aaron Pico, Zach Freeman. We're, we're, we'll skip that for now. Aaron Pico uh, won uh, that fight. I was just going to say Pico. You know, he's, he's favored for a reason. Uh, Douglas Lima and Lorenz Larkin. Oh, me likey, me likey, me likey. Props to Bellator for signing a guy and not hesitating to put him in a main event. Uh, Lorenz Larkin left the UFC winning four or five. He is one loss in that stretch uh, as a welterweight was a split decision against Albert Tumanov. And they're putting him against Diego Lima. Or not Diego. Douglas Douglas Lima. Sorry. Uh, Douglas Lima, who has been on a very similar streak. His one loss over the past like five years outside ever since Askren was uh, Koreshkov, and he avenged that. Now, a question I want to ask, you know, they've, they've been asking, saying, maybe I'll show up and tell them who the real welterweight champion is. Usually I'd say, yeah. I don't, I don't see that as the case. Like, I don't see the Conor McGregor syndrome for Bellator. Ben Askren left. 
He left to a, a company that's completely irrelevant, probably not irrelevant to his wallet. That's what's important. He fights once a year. The one guy that gave him trouble, they couldn't make that fight happen again. Everybody else he's fought, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, who? Who? Where has he been the last four years? He's been over in the Philippines and Singapore beating scrubs. You're not that guy anymore. Sorry. I'm, Sorry. I'm I, res- I'm, I respect I'm, him I'm, as a fighter. I think he's a great fighter. Could he compete in this Bellator welterweight division at the top? Yes, he could. I would love to see him there. But I, I don't buy And I get why he's doing it. It's the gimmick. But Ben Askren ain't the welterweight champ anymore. Has any news ever been released about how much Ben Askren gets paid by 1FC? It's got to be a lot. It's got to be a lot. Yeah. I'd like to know. Or a ballpark figure. I'd well, like I wonder, to know. I wonder how serious UFC's offer was to him because you could tell like the kind of one. They were like, well, it would be nice to have this undefeated guy, but he's not exciting, yada, yada. He doesn't finish. He's not finishing guys. Yeah. That, that was the argument there. So the, I think the money was, wasn't exactly low. But when you compare it to what 1FC was offering, or even Bellator at the time, he's like, nah, nah. And, and Ben Askren operates at a different frequency. He gave a rat's ass about Dana White's opinion. Or Joe Silva's at the time. He could care less. So taking that 1FC offer, it's, I, I tell people all the time, I, I, I did a, when, when the McGregor Mayweather um, fight was announced, I did a whole bunch of radio interviews um, from various mainstream sports stations up here. And I talked about, you know, listen, guys, we're broadcasters. Okay, we're broadcasters. Whether we do TV, whether we do radio, whether we do video podcasts, we're we're podcasters or we're broadcasters. Out of nowhere, a company from I don't know Dubai called Sean Rossap and Showdown Joe and said, "Hey guys, we know you love Jimmy <laughs> Van, but we're going to pay you two million dollars each 50, for 000, one year. Fifty thousand to show, <laughs> fifty thousand to win was Askren's first fight. Okay." That was at one? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. My point is this. If, if we got a phone call from you know some place in Dubai where they're saying, look, we're, we, want to, we want to offer you guys a podcast. We'll pay you $2 million a year, but it's only going to be available in Dubai. It's geo-blocked. Uh, guess what Sean <laughs> and I are doing? Sorry, Jimmy, man. Sorry, Jimmy. Well, and that's 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 the way some guys think, you know. You, you take a look at, at Conor McGregor and that payday with Mayweather, and you, maybe you look at a guy like Ben Askren who says, "Ah, you know what? I get paid some good money, and don't have to worry, don't, don't have the headaches that I have with the UFC or being in North America. I'll go fight overseas in Singapore or, or you know in Asia, yeah. right? So I don't fault the guy. I don't fault the guy. But if you then come, like you said, and I'll show you who the real, the, excuse me, the real welterweight champion is. No. And, and the thing is, he's eyeing a retirement after his one FC career, allegedly. But Scott Coker has shown that he is more than willing to sign that type of guy. So I would I would talk with them about it. I don't know how long his contract is. I should should probably look that up. But I should talk about it and then build the old Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, who's the real champion <laughs> type of thing. I love it. I love it. Um, but that's a hell Mike, of a fight. Lima Larkin? Yeah. Hell of a fight. I love it. I absolutely love it because this is – I mean, can you make the argument that this is Lima's toughest test to date? Yes. 100%. Right? This is and, it. I love it. I love I, the, the Lima brothers uh, and um, – the Lima brothers and Jukau are my boys. I mean, you, I love You can also guys. make the argument that this is 
actually Larkin's toughest test at welterweight, too, because Neil Magny, good. Uh, Masvidal, very good. Tumanov, good. Ponzinibbio, good. But uh, Diego Lima on a hot streak. Douglas. Or, son of a bitch! They're both Ds. I totally get it. Yeah. Patricky and Patricio. I just want to see them in like a tag team battle. How dare Bellator not put a Pitbull brother in a pay-per-view? Yeah, well, they got to have them for all those, those uh, <laughs> spike shows, right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen watching the podcast and listening right now, if you don't know the irony behind that comment between Sean and I, you haven't watched all of our stuff. Just watch when Sean loses his marbles anytime any of the Pitbull brothers uh, are competing. And there were two Pitbulls in the last UFC <laughs> show, Betch oh, Correa and Andre Arlovsky. The mo- is it arguably the most popular nickname uh, in yeah, MMA? How, how Anyways, Chandler, Chandler's taking on Brent Primus. Me yeah. likey this fight. This Not only that, be- I, I spoke to Mike Chandler. I'm going to let you all hear that in moments, but even though he's defending this title against a guy that not a lot of people know about uh, in, in Primus, he's got his eyes maybe on the welterweight division. Let's take a listen at my conversation with, or take a listen to my conversation with Bellator lightweight champion uh, Michael Chandler. Uh, now, this is your first fight in New York. Will this affect you? I know most of your fight in recent years have been in St. Louis or California, and you have found like great success in Missouri. Mm-hmm. No, I, I uh, yeah, I mean that was that it was awesome to fight in front of the the St. Louis crowd. Um, but to me, man, it's it's a cage. It's a it's a cage door locking. And it's fighting down your mouthpiece and get and getting into a fist fight. You know, um, NYC is going to be awesome. Sticking around for another couple of days afterwards to to uh, you know have a little fun and enjoy the city. But man, it's a big stage. It's a big venue. It's a big fight, and it's uh, it's exciting. You know, I've I've just been performing at a high level over the last year or two and everything is clicking so i don't care if it's in you know madison square garden st louis or timbuktu i'm gonna go out there and get the w that being said what was your reaction when they offered you the fight and they said madison square garden you're defending your title there um that was awesome you know i mean it was uh it was tough too because you know i was i was expecting to fight you know march or april or may at the very very latest and then we ended up getting pushed to june so you know, I was definitely, uh, I was definitely waiting and wishing and hoping uh, that I was going to get a fight pretty quick. And they said, you know, they kept, you know, saying, "Hold on, we got something coming, we got something coming." And of course, they're always secretive, which they have to be, to, because that's the, the fight game and the promotion, the promotional game. And uh, yeah, when they when they told me, it was, you know, it was awesome, man. It's it's uh, it's one of those things that you dream about. It's one of those things that you get, you know, get pumped up for and get excited for. So it's. Uh, it's exciting. You know, I, it won't truly sink in. It won't truly settle in until, uh, you know, after the fight is over and we get done with the press conference and I can finally take a breath and uh, look back and say, man, that was an awesome experience. I can't wait to do it again. But right now it doesn't really, right now it doesn't really affect me. Just focusing on going out there and, and completing the task at hand. The task at hand is uh, Brent Premise. Now, a lot of people questioned why he got this shot or maybe say he's not the biggest name. What was, uh, again, your reaction to finding out this was the guy who would challenge you at MSG? Yeah, I mean, the venue is huge. The fight is huge. Um, Brett Primus is a tough guy. I knew I was going to fight him eventually. I didn't know. You know, you never know when you're going to fight somebody. But, of course, there's always always guys on your radar. There's always guys that you know are going to be, um, you know, kind of possible contenders eventually. And uh, I knew he was going to be one of them. He was undefeated and hungry and, um, 
you know, here we are getting, you know, getting a fight. I mean, to, to me, it doesn't matter. It's, it's another guy with two arms and two legs going out there and trying to uh, beat me in a game that I am much better than him at, you know, and that's, that's where my confidence is. That's where my confidence lies. And, and I'm just excited to compete against him. I don't, I don't care who it is at this point. It's all about me performing uh, the way I need to perform. It's all about me per- performing uh, the way I've trained and the way that I have prepared. And, and I am extremely prepared and I am trained and uh, I'm ready to go out there and, and get a win. Are there any other names you see emerging at lightweight that you have your eye on? Kind of like a, a premise who you knew you were going to fight down the line. Are there any other guys like that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I got my eyes set on some some welterweights. To be honest, you know, I want some I want some big fights. I want the biggest fights I can possibly get. Um, of course, I'm 100% focused on fighting Brent Primus and you know, 10 days and then getting done with that fight. And then, you know, maybe calling some, some welterweights out, you know, I'm by no means a, a, uh, I would by no means be a, a tiny welterweight. I'd be, uh, you know, maybe on the smaller side, but, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fist fight and I train with welterweights all day long in the gym. So I would love to get the big fights against some of those guys. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to ask you is if your future was going to be a, a lightweight welterweight or maybe in between. And as you mentioned, Rory McDonald, Lorenz Larkin, you got Koreshkov, Page, Daly, Lima. There are no shortage uh, of welterweights there. How long has that been in your mind to to maybe try out welterweight? Um, I think really honestly, since we just started signing, you know, guys like Rory and you know, and now Lorenz Larkin and Paul Daly. Um, you know, Michael Page is is getting promoted really well, and, and he's had some big wins. Um, you know, so I mean, there's just a I just look at guys. I don't care what weight they are. I just, I just look at look at the guys and look at the athletes and, and say, man, I'd like to fight that guy. He's got a he's got a name. He's got a brand. He's got a he's got a following. And that's that's really what you want to do. You want you want to fight the biggest names and the biggest fights in the sport or in in your organization as you can. And uh, you know, I mean, if, whether it's a you know whether it's a, a featherweight coming up or it's a welterweight, me going up the welterweight, or whether it's somebody at 55, I don't care who it is, just as long as the fight makes sense, you know. And and that's really. You know, Scott Coker, Rich Chu, I mean, the guys at Bellator, the guys at Spike, I mean, they, they know what they're doing. They're doing a great job of, of promoting fights and putting on big fights. So we leave that up to them. But they, they know, they are on notice that I, I want to fight some welterweight guys. So we will see. You also had a pretty storied feud with Will Brooks. Are you surprised by his recent skid in the UFC? Um, I wouldn't say surprised. I mean, I think uh, – you know, I think people have bad nights. People have off performances. Um, one of which was mine against him um, back in the day, and and some of his have been more recent. You know, him not performing um, as good as he, as good as we all know that he could perform. You know, um, so I wouldn't say that I'm surprised. It's just a fight game, man. It's it's a it's a tough game, full of uh, uh, it's a game of inches, full of stylistic matchups that uh, don't always go your way. You know, so you know, so we'll we'll see where that goes. You know. So Mike Chandler eyeing some of those aforementioned welterweights after, well, really he's eyeing them ahead of this fight with, with Primus. Now Primus, yeah, despite being like 7-0, and he's, he's 32 years old. He's not a young guy. He's actually older than Chandler. Yeah, yeah, the irony. Uh, I like Chandler, man. Chandler's a dude. When, I, when he competed, when Beltor competed here, I think he fought Gono. 
uh, up in uh, in Rama, which is about an hour and a half, two hours from here. And Beltor had their show up there. Uh, and, and, and speaking to him before the fight, after the fight, uh, and I've seen him a few times. I think it was in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just, just a good dude. Good dude and powerful. Yeah. Super strong. And he just looks like he's got that body type that looks like it's always ready to go. The thing about this fight that I'm questioning is premise and his ability to go five rounds. Because before 2015, another thing is his consistency. He is one of those guys that never fights. He's fought for seven years now, and he has seven fights. This will be his eighth. But he finished a lot of fights early. And then when he faced Anderson and Santos, they went the full three rounds, and he barely escaped with a decision. Split decisions both times. So part of me wonders, like, how will he react to, to a five-round battle? We just saw Michael Chandler go there with Ben Henderson. That was kind of close on the scorecards, at least. But, but we've seen him do it against Brooks and Alvarez to little success. We've seen him go to the fourth round with Alvarez and beat Alvarez. We've seen him go to the fourth round and get beaten by Will Brooks. So that's another thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering, like, how will Premis, or even if he has to, react to a fourth, fifth round? How will Chandler react to a fourth, fifth round? Because we've seen just varying degrees of success out of that thus far. True, very true. I'm still giving the edge to Chandler in this fight here. Uh, I guess the next question is, you know, will Fader Emilianenko be upset if Donald Trump doesn't show up to see his fight versus Matt Mitrione? Because he invited the president of your United States to come watch the fight. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Now, I always like to approach with the questions I have about a fight. How does Fedor Emelianenko feel, look, perform on United States soil? We've seen what happens in the past. His last four fights in particular. Dan Henderson, we saw what happened. Antonio Silva, Fabrizio Verdum saw what happened. He almost lost to Brett Rogers as well. Yeah. Now, his, his wins over Sylvia and Arlovsky, his win over Arlovsky in later years looked even better when Arlovsky had a resurgence and it's just one of those heavyweight things. But he had he ran into some trouble and Arlovsky looked okay against him before that ill-fated shot. Uh, Sylvia did not. Sylvia looked terrible against him. But Matt Mitrione, while never never a world beater by any stretch, has... Stepped over into Bellator and been not silly a little bit, but still came came back and won. It's a good matchup for both guys, I think. If if Fedor wins, then you know Bellator gets a big Fedor win. If Mitrione wins, then this guy that Bellator's paying a lot of money to gets a big win. Good good booking, good booking from Bellator. Yeah, all well, your options are slim when you think about what you have at heavyweight in general, uh, especially for Bellator. But it, listen, anytime the last Emperor fights, I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch. Uh, I'd like for him to retire, but, you know, he's fighting a guy that I know, Matt Mitrione. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Matt. I think they will look great on his resume uh, if Fedor wins, or if he, if he defeats Fedor. So we'll see what happens. And then there's two other gentlemen that I know uh, and I've had a variety of, of personal time with. Chael Sonnen, most specifically in Vegas and in Oklahoma City. Vanderlei Silva in Canada, in Japan, two guys that I know do not like each other. They despise I, each other. Sorry, go ahead. I, I just want to go on the record. I'm picking Mitrione. I just want okay. to say that. Picking yeah, Mitrione. 
I, I think Matt wins. Uh, now Fader still hits hard. Old man power doesn't go away. Yeah, never has. Speed goes away. Old man power doesn't. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, main event: Chael Sonnen, Vanderlei Silva, two gentlemen that uh, despise the ground the other walks on. Sonnen, more of a competitor, knows that this is unfinished business. Does not want to put on a performance like it did against Tito Ortiz versus Vanderlei. Referee, get the hell out of my way, Silva. Uh, is looking forward to finally step. I, I, we still have the weigh-ins to go through. There's, there's a lot still, to happen. There's still a lot of time for Vanderlei to drop out of this fight, is what you're saying. No. I'm hinting, but I'm not saying. Well, you know Bellator's thinking about this because if it falls out, they're still running a pay-per-view. They're still yeah. going to do it. They're not going to put this on Spike. They'll promote Davis and Bader to the main card, and they'll still have a really good show. Uh, yeah. Or a really good stacked show, but I, I bet Scott Coker's just waiting on that phone call any day. Just Vanderlei missed his flight. Vanderlei missed his flight. Vanderlei took a piss out of a, a moving car, and now he's arrested. Anything to not fight Chael Sonnen, which is weird. Again, the question marks: How does Vanderlei look? How does Chael Sonnen look? Because in the past four years, we've really only seen him fight for two minutes, and we've really barely seen that. We've seen him do some submission grappling here and there, but <laughs> what do you think is going to happen in this fight? You got me all tripped out right now. I'm so tripped out thinking. Two 40-year-olds. Is this fight going to take place? Because Vanderlei was supposed to fight in Ryzen. Vanderlei was supposed to fight, I think, on uh, Beltor for a while, and now he's going to fight in the main event, and he's already done craziness with his press conferences. Like, I need to put together, like, uh, out of, like, people who have retired and come back after years, like Sun and Vanderlei, Carwin, Penn, like, the percentage of their fights that actually go through. Sonnen's do, but Vanderlei pulls out of the Ryzen fight. He Plural. And, and even, uh, yeah, and then Carwin pulled out of it, and then Penn's had, like, seven fights canceled. Like, it's pretty wild. Pretty yeah. wild. For argument's sake, <laughs> if this fight does take place, which we are hoping and assuming that it will, um, I think if Sonnen survives the initial onslaught that Vanderlei is going to launch at him and puts Vanderlei on his back, is able to control him, he'll win three or four rounds out of five. This is a five-rounder, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct? I believe it's a three-rounder. Well, I think Vanderlei or Chael could probably win this uh, if he plays it smart. Just avoid Vanderlei. He already took him down once on the Ultimate Fighter when they were coaches, and that was pretty <laughs> easy. So we'll see. I think Chael wants to sort of clean up his name in term, or, or just clean up his his image based on what happened with that Tito fight. Right? Well, as, so, as Stone Osborne says, they're probably both pissing lava afterwards. <laughs> it's terrible. I saw that. It's terrible. Oh, you guys in the live chat, I absolutely love you. Uh, I think Chael pulls this off. What do you think? Yeah, I do too. I think that Chael's going to pull it off. Although Vanderlei throwing one of those windmill punches and catching him isn't out of the realm of possibility. I hate being that guy that's like, anything's possible, but it's two 40-year-old guys who haven't won since 2013 fighting inside of a cage. You don't know who's going to show up in what shape, and you don't know how they got into that shape. So that is a big (laughs) question mark. I feel like I've said question mark 732 times between these two shows because this 
this weekend's fights are just completely composed of question marks. It's pretty cool. But we are here with you all Sunday night after UFC Oklahoma City to talk Bellator NYC, UFC OKC. Programming note, this week's List and Your Boy takes place Thursday, so... Uh, I like to think that Holy Smokes and The List and Your Boy are our flagship shows at Fightful.com and now FightfulPods.com. Go check that out. So send in questions for that Thursday show, that uh, List and Your Boy. Start a forum topic, submit questions. We'll answer anything as it pertains to business of Fightful, wrestling, anything that we can uh, bring you. It's the only podcast with an eccentric millionaire and the guy that he picked to run a combat sports website. <laughs> and Joe, you're going to have several, uh, a couple articles up this weekend uh, or this week. I'm looking forward to those. Yeah, you got the video going up uh, on Thursday. Uh, whatever rant, whatever irks me in the world of mixed martial arts, uh, I will post a video on Thursday. Obviously, Friday will be a fun bets article. Uh, I'll take a look at both of these two cards because there's a lot of value uh, in some of these fights that we should all be paying attention to. If you like dropping some coin, uh, you can get some nice returns if you're willing to risk a little bit uh, to garner a lot. So some fun bets, uh, fun bets article will go up um, likely on well, Friday. It has to be Friday because the, the UFC or, or the Bellator shows on Saturday uh, and the UFC shows on Sunday. So that's going to be fun. Video from yours truly, of course. Uh, the article it's going to be fun. Uh, lots of fun bets. And uh, just hopefully, Chill and Vanderlei make it, <laughs> or Vanderlei at least makes it to Saturday. This 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 fight, it's unfinished business, man. I just want to see it go down. So remains to be seen. Don't forget, guys, girls, make sure you follow all of us uh, here at Fightful, at Fightful Online, at Fightful MMA, uh, at Sean Rossap, at Showdown Joe. We thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you can't make it live Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, obviously iTunes uh, and Stitcher. Uh, you can download it, take a listen, uh, and enjoy it from there. Uh, please spread the news. Give us some love. Give us some likes. Tell a friend. Help us grow. We love what we do. We bring a different take on what we do here. So uh, thanks to everyone there. Sean, you want to close off the show, or should I just say it now? Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Guys, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.